For me, making sales social means taking the time to really connect with the person and also not leading from a position of how can I get your business, but really how can I service you through what I do so well? Let's make the process fun. And I think that when you lead with conversation and curiosity, it takes the salesy aspect out of it and it really helps you lead with service. But when you're clear on how what you do is correlated to your joy, it really becomes a matter of you just conveying how the thing that you do so well and that brings you so much joy can like really just flow into servicing the need that they have. Welcome to the Making Sales Social podcast, featuring the top voices in sales, marketing, and business. Join Bryn Tillman and me, Bob Woods, as we each bring you the best tips and strategies our guests are teaching their clients, so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Making Sales Social. I'm Bryn Tillman, and I am excited to be here with Erica Lassen. She is a corporate joy strategist and founder of Journey to Purpose. She helps companies engage joy, equity, and well-being for women and caregivers one feel-good thing at a time. Welcome, Erica, to Making Sales Social. Oh my goodness, friends. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to dive into all the conversation today. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And and so we met in person at a Chamber of Commerce uh, meeting. We were sitting across from each other. And you just, with your smile and your way, brought joy to the conversation. And then when I found out that you bring joy to the world, and I was like, oh, we need to talk. Because I believe this is the one thing that corporate America keeps getting wrong. It's about money. It's about position. It's about ego. We have one life to live. And for me, joy wraps everything. If you have joy, your life is fulfilled. Exactly. So so I want to, I can't wait to jump in and talk to you about this. But before I do, we ask all of our guests one question. What does making sales social mean to you? Ooh, this is a juicy question to kick off with. (laughs) But um, I think that for me, making sales social means taking the time to really connect with the person um, and also not leading from a position of how can I get your business, but really how can I service you through what I do so well? Let's make the process fun. And I think that when you lead with conversation and curiosity, it takes the salesy aspect out of it and it really helps you lead with service. But when you're clear on how what you do is correlated to your joy, it really becomes a matter of you just conveying how the thing that you do so well and that brings you so much joy can like really just flow into servicing the need that they have. So um, yeah, I think making sales social is really just a matter of connection, conversation, and curiosity. I love that. I think that's fabulous. And, you know, I love the fact that you can get joy out of bringing joy for other people. Like, so like, this is, this is really a lot of fun. So how did you end up in this little niche of happiness? Like how, 
what, what just briefly your background and how you became an entrepreneur that does joy for a living? <laughs> um, uh, I love this question. I, I will start by saying that I believe that joy is everybody's job, actually. Um, joy is truly our number one job if we're really leaning into the idea of the fact that we've been given gifts and purpose that we're supposed to use while we're here on this earth. Um, but there were three key points that kind of brought me to this understanding. And the first was graduating from college. Um, and I graduated during the recession. So I could not find a job for the life of me. And it was it was really hard. It kind of drove me to a dis- depressive state. And at that point, I didn't realize it. Um, but looking back, it's like so obvious now. I, I was crying every day throughout the day, multiple times a day. I hated getting up for work. I hated, I, I love, I would count down the minutes <laughs> every day. As soon as five o'clock hit, I was out. Um, but that was one period and kind of going on what I now call a joy quest and taking the time to leave the things that I thought I was supposed to do and really kind of embrace the possibility of what's next, even if I'm not completely clear on what it looks like, led me down this path of going back into jewelry making because I started off my first business when I was 13 as a jewelry designer. It led me to doing on-air hosting and a whole career around video production and content creation for seven years where I was on and um, I did celebrity interviews, covered New York Fashion Week, developed shows for people, like all this fun stuff. And simply because I led with the question of like, what if? And then um, the second point was uh, where I thought I was going to have a big break. And uh, a week later, I found out I was pregnant. I, was, I had a workshop with NBC Universal and I thought, oh my goodness, this is it. This is everything we've been working for. And I found out I was pregnant and I cried for three days because I thought, well, now my dreams are over. You know, like I have to buckle up and be a, an adult. <laughs> And like, you know, get very serious with life. And that same thing kind of put me in that position of not being my most joy filled. And um, I did the same process, like going on a joy quest, which then the third point was when I finally come out of that state of like self-sacrificing and doing everything that I thought I had to do as a new mom and a, a wife and I relaunched a new project and I was like, I'm back, baby. This is it. And a week later, I found out I was pregnant again. So I'm like, God, I feel like you're playing with me. Right? <laughs> and the same thing. I cried for three days. But at that point, it was really OK. Well, we know the formula. There is a formula here and a system and a process. Let's just follow this and see where it leads. And um, I developed a blog from that around motherhood that led to people asking questions around how are you living your best life with your kids? And from there, the business just kind of organically developed and bloomed. That's re- that's really cool. And I love that you came to this through personal experience, mm-hmm. that you found the formula. You, fa- you figured it out because you lived through it. You're proof of success with this program, right? And, and when you practice what you teach... When it, 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 it's so much more a part of you, I believe it just uh, resonates that much stronger. So thank you for your story. And I'm glad you're in joy now. I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, so talk to me a little bit about why people aren't in joy. What, what holds them back? What, what's in the way of being joyful? 
Mm. There are many things that can come in the way of being in like your best and most joy filled self. But in the, my personal experience, right, because I started off with that. And then as I did the work, I started to gather data from my clients and the people that I was speaking with. But one of the key ones is um, feeling like you don't have the time for joy. Um, one of the things that I hear from my clients is joy is a luxury for me right now. Like I just simply don't have the time to even think about joy. What, how could joy possibly serve me in the work that I'm doing and all of the tasks that I have to do and all of my responsibilities. But to that, I always say that joy is so much more than a feeling. People think of joy simply as a feeling, but through my process, my system, the programs that I've developed, what I've come to understand and in a lot of ways prove is that joy is a tool. It can also be a tool and a resource if you'll allow it. Um, but you do really have to not just make the time for joy, but you have to take the time for joy. Um, and one of the other things that I often hear is are the reasons why they can't do it based on things that have happened in the past, you know, like, or I don't have the energy for it. It's just going to be too much to figure out how to do these things. But that that's why I, I'm here, you know? <laughs> like you don't have to figure it out because I would do it for you um, or with you rather, because it really is a collaborative experience and understanding some of the things that have kept you from joy in the past, but understanding how you can look and curate a vision of what a joy-led life looks like for you. And then strategically, that's why I consider myself a joy strategist and not just a joy coach strategically we can begin to figure out ways to in implement and integrate and infuse joy into your everyday life through joy-led habits um and then some people just think they don't have the space for it you know like i don't have space on my calendar i don't have space in my life <laughs> i don't have like physical space around me for joy because i'm like you know, people feel like this, but all of those things lead from a conversation of fear versus like trust and faith in the possibilities of what could happen if you were to lead with joy. And the first thing that many women, many people need to do in really considering this work is just understand that you're worthy and deserving of the joy. That's what it comes down to feeling like you, you are, you deserve it and you don't have to earn it in order to embrace it. Mm. So, so many, I love this. Many of our listeners are entrepreneurs or sales professionals, people that are out there every day interacting with people. How can joy actually help them professionally grow? Ooh, oh my gosh. This is such a good question. Um, because, okay. So in thinking about joy and kind of coming back to the point of joy, not just being a feeling, but a tool and a resource entrepreneurs and people in business also have to see joy as a tangible metric of success because so often the idea of joy is very like elusive. You know, I will have joy when I get to point X, mm -hmm. I will have joy once I'm able to do Y and Z, but really it's not just about arriving at the destination that should bring you joy. The entire process should bring you joy because if you feel joy throughout the process, you're more likely to create sustainable success. And you're also able to better understand what's required to create that sustainable success, mm. you know, and, and it feels good. So you're more likely to actually do it uh, versus if you arrive at, you know, if you feel like you have to struggle and strive to hit the million dollar mark, 
if you're not clear on the systems and the processes that it took to get there, and if they feel so misaligned that it's tiring and draining and overwhelming, you're not going to want to do that for like 20 years, you know? So (laughs) when you begin to understand how joy is a marker of success and that it's measurable, then it makes you more willing to do what's required. But the benefit is that you feel good as you get there and it benefits your, your entire life, not just your career. It benefits your relationships. It benefits the way you care for yourself in the process. Cause that matters, especially as an entrepreneur. Cause if you go down, everything goes down. So right. you really have to make sure you're taking care of yourself and, and embracing the joy of the process, not just the arrival of the destination. So let's just dive in a little bit to, you said a few times, which I love is it's measurable. How do you measure joy? Oh my gosh. On a scale of one to 10? No. Yeah. On a scale <laughs> of one to 10, how much joy do you have? Yeah, right. There's that. Um, but I've also developed a really uh, wonderful quiz or assessment rather. Um, and initially I did this as a lead generation um, activity, right? But what I found through the results and the responses that I was getting was that um, it really spoke to where people were, but then they would take the quiz again and they would get a different result, which spoke to the nature of what they were doing in that process and how much joy they felt. So there's actually a scale that the results give. So in my in the work that I do with organizations and individuals, that's one way that we measure it to see how they're moving through the journey cycle. But in addition to this, there are um, metrics about how you feel in the work that you are doing and the output that's being created. (laughs) And so like actual results, when you really put the pedal to the metal and you're like constantly working, how many like clients are you actually able to close? Or how do you feel with the, the business that's done in that time? How much revenue are you able to bring in? You know, are you able to think of new and innovative ideas that allow you to bring in additional profits? You know, all of these things are measurable if you begin to track what's being done, how you feel in the process, and over a span of time, how effective those measures are when you like as you're feeling them. Uh, yeah, I think that's fantastic. And and the one message I keep hearing, because you know, as salespeople, entrepreneurs, business leaders, we have KPIs, we have key performance indicators. But the interesting thing that you keep putting in there is how do you feel when you're doing this? And I think that is a gap currently across the board in almost every conversation, in every accountability conversation, in every sales leader conversation, in every mentoring conversation is how do you feel when you do that? Looking to up your LinkedIn game? The Social Sales Link team has you covered with our LinkedIn Sales Accelerator, a guided social selling program that includes training, coaching, and so much more. Visit socialsaleslink.com slash in for more details. Again, that's socialsaleslink.com slash in. Listen, one of the things I think about I've been pretty successful in sales for my whole career, but the first part of my career, I did a lot of cold calling Mm. and I hated it. Mm. And I was counting down the days to promotion, the days to get to the field where I could, because it was cold calling 
originally setting up appointments for the field, right? I wanted to be in the field. I wanted to meet the people. And although I had enough success, you know, to to get promoted, my nine to five was not joyful. Mm. And one of the reasons that I teach LinkedIn now is that brings me joy. That is a prospecting method that makes me happy. I'm kind of ranting a little on this, but I think that this is really important. You know, a third of our lives is working, Mm. Mm -hmm. right? And if we are not happy in work, we're not going to be happy when we get home to our kids, to our spouse, to our parents, whatever it is. And if, and, and so that will take you to now two thirds of your life. And then the other third you're sleeping. So, yeah. Now, so I love this. And the last thing I'll say before I ask you the next question is often when we work with new folks in sales, they'll say, well, I worked with another trainer or coach and they said, I had to get outside my comfort zone in order to be successful. And, and I come from a different perspective, which is let's take a look at all the things in your box that you love to do that are productive. And let's start there because if you love what you're doing, you'll do more of it. And I yeah. think that bridges to joy. I think yeah. that bridges, if I love this, I'll do it better. I'll do it more, you know, uh, and the way I feel is felt on the other side of the conversation, right? Yeah. If I'm doing it just to get to the next thing, then they feel that you're not present. You're not there. Yes. So yes. I think this is incredibly powerful. So you, you comment on that. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Um, so I completely agree with you. I think that especially in this age that we live in where everything is like, like, toted on social media, like, this is what you have to do. One way to make a million dollars, like immediately, everyone has this like get rich quick idea of how to do things. And it's like, okay, that's a way, that's the way you did it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way that will work for this particular person. But we are so kind of like, as a society bought into this idea of constantly learning new skills, which is great, right? But I also think we have to take time to evaluate ourselves because there is there is an inner knowing. Right. And the more you know yourself, the more you know how you fit into every like any picture, any place, any scenario. And then it you become very clear on the fact that you are exactly who you are, where you are and how you are meant to be in order to do the thing that God has placed you here to do, you know? Um, and I think that the moment people get very comfortable with that and they lean into the idea of seeking joy first, they will find, and this is a part of um, my program process, but you'll find that your joy is actually correlated to your purpose. So you need to be clear on what your joy is in order to understand how to best execute what your purpose is. Uh, but not enough people take the downtime to figure that out because they're chasing the idea of what they've been told is required it, for them to do in order to attain success. And that's just not true. It really is a journey of self-knowing first, and then you can begin to build on that with the skills that are required and needed to take you to the next level. But when you're clear on yourself, you're also clear on who to go to and like which avenues would be best suited for that versus feeling like you have to take pick and take at everything that's thrown at you and given to you. Cause there are many ways to do a lot of things, but that doesn't mean that it's always the right way for you. Interesting. So I'm going to kind of throw a little curve boil in here. Okay. Um, which, well, I have 
kind of two. The first one is, as a sales leader, how do you create a culture of joy? As a sales leader, how do you create a culture of joy? Oh, oh my gosh. So I think it kind of goes back to what it, you um, started to share, even in your own personal experience. As a sales leader, you have to know your people, right? But your people also have to know themselves. And there has to be some type of an understanding across the board, <laughs> right? When everyone is clear on what needs to be done, when everyone is clear on how it's being done, and also more importantly, why it's being done, that's how you begin to create the culture of joy because that that leveling brings understanding that improves connection, right? Both between management and the salespeople that creates a safe space for them to maybe articulate, hey, this method that is a part of our process doesn't actually align. Can I try it this way? You know, or um, if you don't feel completely comfortable with something, being able to communicate with that, that with your manager. But it also gives the person freedom to authentically embrace who they are and mm. leverage that in their sales process when they're speaking with prospects. It's no longer a matter of like coming off as a robot or um, trying to be something that you're not because who you are is is perfectly awesome. You got the job for a reason, right? Like, um, And I think it also then helps improve communication and collaboration. So it's not just a matter of doing things the way that it's always been done. With this, you can better understand how as a team, as an organization, you can develop new ideas to help further the core objectives and the vision and the mission of the organization. But first, everyone has to be on the same page about what the vision is. They have to be very clear on what the mission is and what the values are. Mm -hmm. And as they're clear on what that means on an organizational level, then they as an individual can understand how their personal vision, values, and mission can align with the corporate vision, values, and mission. So it really becomes a matter of everyone understanding the value of showing up exactly as who they are and not something or someone else. Mm, that authenticity thing is really important. Uh, and, and as managers, we give them scripts, we give them, and, and I love the idea that you're not going to get joy from someone else's script. You're not going to portray joy from someone else's script. All right. So because we're talking about sales, right? I think there's a need to understand the value of a script, right? For someone who may have really awesome potential, but they're not sure of like a sales formula and not to make it come off like where everything about sales is formulaic because it's not. I think the people that have the best success are probably people that are leaning in to who they are and their gifts, right? But I think that if someone shows a lot of promise, but they're not sure of like how to move through that process, the script can be great as a guide. Right. But I think that what could benefit a lot of sales leadership with these scripts is to give give the script, but a, like have a training or a, a part of a course where you give the person freedom to kind of embody the script in the way that feels truest to them. And then looking over it with them, walking them through the process of like why it's OK for them to like you know, show up as themselves in that script. So taking the script, so you have the process, you're touching on all the necessary points so you're able to get the data that's required to figure out if somebody is the right person. Um, and you can document all of that. 
but then also giving them the freedom to embrace like their special sauce and bring it to the process as well. Brilliant. I love that. Okay. My last little curveball has nothing to do with sales. Okay. <laughs> How do you bring the journey to purpose as a mom? What do you do to get your kids to live a joyful life? You exemplify a joyful life. Like <laughs> that's, that's, oh my gosh, this, oh my, I'm like obsessed with this question because the reason I, I shared earlier in this conversation that I cried for three days, right? <laughs> with both pregnancies. And it wasn't because I didn't want to have a family at that point. Like my now husband and I, we've been together eight years. I did want the family, but it was this idea of self-sacrifice that I thought, well, this is going to be my life now. I won't have any joy. I won't have any fun for myself. My whole life is going to have to revolve around my family. And I did it for 16 months. And I, not to say it was miserable, but I was not my most happy and fulfilled self. And so resentment began to creep into the picture. You know, dissatisfaction began to creep into the picture. But then on top of all of that, there was guilt because I'm like, well, what do I really have to complain about? Like my kid is awesome. Like she's so good. She sleeps through the night. I have this amazing partner. Like he's a, like, he's so wonderful. Why do I feel this way? And when I really got down to taking that space, not making the time for it, but taking the time, I realized that I was the problem. Like <laughs> I was the problem. I was not giving myself permission to do things that bring me joy. And it wasn't that I didn't have the time and it wasn't that I didn't have the energy and it wasn't that I didn't have the space. It was that I was allowing other priorities to take my time, energy and space. And none of those things necessarily brought me joy. So the moment I began to get clear about that, I made a very intentional and conscious effort to do things where to the point where my life revolved around joy. If it didn't bring me joy, I didn't want to do it. If it was something that was going to keep me in a funky place, I don't, I don't have time for that today. I'm sorry. Getting a grip on my calendar, understanding, but, but first really understanding with clarity what joy meant to me, like what that meant for me, what it looked like, what it tasted like, what it felt like. And then understanding how I could bring more of that experience into my everyday life, career, and relationships. And let me tell you, Bryn, the moment I began to do that, my relationship, not with my child, right? Because that was good. She probably wouldn't have known any different because she was so young. But my relationship with motherhood changed. And I began to see it as a, an adventure, because it is, it's like one of the most awesome ex adventures and jobs you could ever have. But once I let go of all of these like preconceived ideas of how I had to be in motherhood, how I had to operate in motherhood, what my career had to look like in motherhood, it became this amazing ride and my kids reaped the benefits of it. They got fun mommy all the time, <laughs> you know, like there was not a need to like drive a whip around different, even around learning, like learning became an, an every, everywhere activity. My kids started reading at two and a half and that's because we made it fun. Like we would go to museums and outdoor trips. My, my, my marriage also like shifted because at that point I was really like, your life hasn't changed. My life has. And so I began to like rediscover myself as a person. And so, you know, my husband got that too. And it, it's, it's, Joy benefits everybody. If it's something where people are putting their joy on the back burner, because it's like, well, I'm doing this in sacrifice for you. 
that's not going to help your relationship. It'll only create resentment and animosity um, towards the person and everything you've had to give up for them rather than bringing them along for the adventure of getting to understand you and know you in every season of life. And that's a part of my mission. So I really love that you asked this question, but that's how it transforms your 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 relationship with motherhood. You exemplify joy and your children don't hear you talk about it because a lot of parents tell their kids, you can be whatever it is that you want to be. The world is your oyster. But then they themselves are not living that truth for themselves. So it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to be it and do it. So when your children actually see you living a joyful life, they they understand what that means and what it what it takes beyond words. Fabulous. Uh, I, I had high expectations for this conversation and you blew those away. Oh my this God. was really okay. fabulous and absolutely needed everywhere. But in particular, I do believe in the world of sales that this is a real gap. So you have graciously, and you mentioned this earlier, offered a quiz for our uh, our audience so we will have that in the show notes, but it is, uh, is it ericalassen.com slash quiz? Yes. Um, for the individual that wants to start their journey, they can take the joy gem quiz and understanding their joy gem type. Um, and for the leader, uh, the sales leadership team or management that would like to understand how joy can benefit their workplace and um, which experience will help do that, they can take our team quiz, which is ericalassan.com slash team dash quiz. Well, thank you so much for your amazing insights. I have so enjoyed this conversation and and I know that it's going to bring huge value to our listeners. So for everyone else, as you're listening today, make sure when you are out and about that you're making your sales social. Thanks for listening and join us again for more special guest instructors bringing you marketing, sales training, and social selling strategies that will set you apart. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes from the Making Sales Social podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.